Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. All right, well, we are continuing our journey through the book of Judges, and uh, we're going to do a part two on Gideon today. The notes you'll find at the back table, and welcome to take a copy and use it for further study. And then, as we mentioned before, we're, it's, this is more of a Bible study as we go through it, but yet taking some time to kind of just dig in and see what God has to speak to us as a church and individuals. And uh, we've learned about Gideon. What last, last week we talked about, well, actually not last week, we had Jerry here, but the week before we had talked about Gideon and his call. Today we're going to move forward in Gideon's life. And we're going to find that that calling is going to get tested as he prepares for the battle. I, I really struggled with the title for this, but this is what I settled on, preparing for your purpose. Because one of the things that we've, we're going to learn about Gideon is that Gideon, and what we understand, you know, his, God's hand is on his life. And God finds him in a place where he's, he's not achieving, he's not walking in what God has called him to ultimately to do. And, uh, but he comes and interrupts his life, sends an angel, and the angel speaks to him and just says, you're a mighty warrior. Gideon has no idea that he's anywhere close to that. And, but in the course of, of God working with him, he's moving forward in his understanding of the will of God. And that is just where I find most of us as Christians that we, we get that call, we experience the draw of the Holy Spirit, we give our life to Jesus Christ, and we begin this journey, and we get excited about heaven, we're excited that we're not going to hell, we're excited about that we're going to spend eternity with God, we're excited about the fact that our sins are forgiven and that we experience that on a daily basis, but what I find is that real crucial point where I think most Christians live is, is taking that next step into understanding what God has created you for, okay? Yes, heaven is going to be wonderful, but God is there saying, not yet, not yet, that he leaves us here on the earth for a purpose. We know Jesus made that very clear in Matthew 28. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. If we boil that down, what he's simply saying is, tell everybody else about it, pure and simple. Just tell everybody else about this wonderful news wherever he places you. But God is also creative, and God is also has designed each one of us to have a part to play in that process, and in so many different creative ways, making videos, teaching in classes. Some of you have many different kinds of gifts. We can work together in teams. You can travel, go overseas. You can do, right there in your workplace, you can be salt and light, encouraging people, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover, being willing to pray for someone. So many wonderful gifts that God has given to us. The key is, are we using them? And so here Gideon has this call, but he has got to be tested in it. It had been very good and very easy for him to just say, well, that's wonderful. The angel says, I'm a mighty warrior, and he opened up Mighty Warrior Ministries. And he just stay right there and never do what God wants him to do. And that is to go and do what? Defeat the enemy. What has happened 
is the Midianites have come, in, they've come down from the mountains and they see a weakened people of God. They see a weakened church, if, if I can do that for a moment. And that's exactly the way that works, is whenever the enemy sees the church weakened, he's not going to sit there and just say, you know, hmm, the church is weakened. Oh, that's interesting. No, he's going to come in like a flood. The scripture says that the, when the enemy comes in on a, like a flood, of course, the God raises up a standard, right, to oppose it. And so, but when, when the church is weakened, we have to go back to our purpose. We have to understand what God has called us to do. And we need to rise up, and everyone needs to be on the line in order to see the church go forward. We're, we're in some interesting times. But we as a church, we should not be afraid. We should not be intimidated. If anything, we need to say, wow, this is good. We're up for the fight. Because a lot of times when things are really, really good is when the church really begins to kind of wander off. But now that times are tough and we're working through some things and uh, the, the, the scriptures and morality in general and, and our ability to speak the name of Jesus publicly or pray it in schools or, or even to share our faith, more and more that's being squeezed. Liberties are being taken from us. The church needs to wake up. The Midianites are moving in. What are we going to do about it? Well, if we take Gideon's call and we break it down, then we can move forward in understanding what our purpose is. God has called us to the fight. Let's not forget that. We're called to the fight. Not to just stand and watch the fight, but to get involved in the fight. We've been given spiritual weapons that we should be using. So I want to look at uh, the remainder of this story and jump in and just read this, and then we're going to comment on it today. So what we've learned is that Gideon, up to this point, he has experienced, he's had a, a wonderful experience, supernatural experience, and he kind of, kind of tries to argue with God on it. And, uh, and so this is what God does. Gideon replies, if I now have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring an offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. So Gideon went in, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and broth in a pot, and he brought them out and offered them to him, to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and place them on a rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. And with the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire flayed from, flamed from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And so what you see, what's happening in there is Gideon really didn't know who he was dealing with. That's what we discover, is that all along we think, and what we realize now is that Gideon doesn't fully know that this is the Lord himself or, or an angel, a messenger of God. What he's thinking up now is this, well, that was a great sermon. I got, a prophet came along, or, or I'm not even sure I'm even aware of what's going on here. But when he just says, look, let me offer this little, you know, I know I've grown up that in the, in the, in the uh, Judaic, you know, uh, system. So he knew, I'll just offer up this little, little bit of meat and broth. 
Instead of what he figured the man would do is sit down and eat it, he just takes the tip and burns it up. And now he's going, oh, buddy, I got something different going on. Something else is going on here. And that's when he says, ah, sovereign Lord, he thinks he's going to die. Because most Israelites during this time, if they would have seen God face to face, they knew they were going to die. So he's thinking, "Uh uh-oh, I'm dead. Well, let's listen to the rest of the story. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. We'll come to that in a second. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abizurites. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Now, the first offering, I want to point out, the first offering was whose idea? Gideon's idea. Gideon came up with the offering plan. Hey, let me take my meat, take a little broth, hook you up. But now God is speaking to him and saying, this is what I require. But let's let's see where it takes him. The other offering was real simple. God just burned it up and scared the mess out of Gideon. But now Gideon is being asked to do something much different. So that same night, he said, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Now, these are significant idols in the community. These are are people, these are Israelites that we have learned, since they've turned away from God, have turned to Baal, Satan himself, Beelzebub, Asherah, queen of heaven, demonic manifestation of fertility goddess, but immorality and everything that goes with it. It says, cut it down. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord, your God, on the top of the height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down and offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning... When the men of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with Asherah pole beside it, cut down, and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? And when they carefully investigated, they were told, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The men of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son, he must die, because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. Now, dad's going out on the line here. He's not saying anything that God has said, but it's interesting that his father rises up to defend him. If Baal really is God, but what he gets ready to say here is really key. If Baal is God or is a God, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So that by day they called Gideon Jerub Baal, saying, let Baal Baal contend with him because he broke down Baal's altar. Now we're going to stop right there. So what we see taking place is that Gideon is asked to do something that is going to cost him dearly. He is going to have to cross the line. He's going to have to cross the line and put himself in jeopardy with his family And he's going to have to cross the line and put himself in jeopardy with his community. So let's go forward with that. 
I've got three points for us. In order for us to prepare for our purpose, as we learn from these scriptures, as we look at Gideon, there's three things we need to understand. First of all, we've got to believe that all will be well. We've got to grow in faith. Two, we've got to tear down some idols. And then thirdly, to surrender our fear and our pride. Number one, we've got to believe all that is well. There in Judges chapter 6, verse 23, we've get this, we get to this place where all of us, at some point in time, we experience the Lord's presence, and we fear it. And a lot of times, we as Christians, we tend not to do any more than what is expected of us because we fear what God is going to ask us to do. In the case of Gideon, we know that God has big plans for him. Now, you can put yourself in Gideon's shoes. He's getting ready to ask him to go fight and lead an army against the Midianite, Midianites, who are well over, well have over 100,000-man army. Some say 100, about 135,000 fighting men. That's a big army. That is huge and could sweep away anyone in its path. But God's asked him to do it. For us, when we face the call of God, the first thing we've got to settle is to understand that God is Jehovah Shalom. That is the revelation that Gideon gets at first. When he, he, he comes into, that, into that, that, that confrontation, that place with God, the first thing God tells him says, it's going to be all right. I am your peace. And we know that Gideon gets it. Because what does he do? He goes and builds an altar. Now, back in those days, and I guess we do it even today with monuments, when something really moves us, something that we don't want to forget, something we just say, you know what? This needs to be remembered. We'll stick up a monument. You know, uh, what was it? Over 3,000 people died in the New York Towers that came down. And so what is being rebuilt there is a monument. It's a building, yes, but there's a memory. It's, it's like, remember what took place here. For Gideon, he walks away and he builds this altar because he says, look, God is peace. God is my peace. He is Jehovah Shalom. And he says, I've never really known that. All I know is that you're supposed to fear God. And if you touch the mountain or if you do something wrong, God will destroy you. At one point, he just thought, oh, I'm dead. I've seen the face of God. But God says, no, no, no. I am your peace. Gideon, you've got to start with that. Because whatever life you've been called to, whatever difficulties you may have to face, whatever decisions you're going to have to make to follow God, he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He is going to be with you, and you're going to be steeped and surrounded in peace. I think that's interesting. Because you know what? There are times when I'll say, God, you know what? I don't want to do this. If you want it done, would you just do it and I'll watch? Have you ever been there? You know? It's just like, yeah, God, you're all powerful. <laughs> you can do all these wonderful things. I mean, I read of all the wonderful, but God says, and, and Gideon could have done the same thing. He said, God, look, with the sweep of your hand, you could wipe out the Midianite army. Just 100,000 gone. He's done it before. Well, not before. Well, I guess he has done it before, and we'll see that later, but we know God can do it. Historically, God has done it before. But God says, no, Gideon, you're the one I want to do this. You're the one I've called. Does that sound familiar to you a little bit? 
Jesus comes, says, I want to share the good news to all the world. Jesus, why couldn't you have just stuck around and keep doing that? Just keep creating you know, disciples in every people group. I mean, why? That sounds like a good plan to me. But that's not what he did. He said, no, 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 I got to go to heaven. Because I will do much better work and have a greater impact if I work from there. Because I'm going to go and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he says, and I will be your peace. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But the job is big. I've got to fight a big fight. And he says, I'll be with you. I will be with you. That's the first thing we've got to get down. He becomes afraid, but he embraces it. We can do that too. We can become afraid of the things that God has called us to do. But when we choose to follow God, yes, there is some risk. There's always risk, but there is revelation. Jesus is God. There's a little beeping thing going on. Is that coming over the... Oh, is it me? Okay. Anyway, somebody's getting some emails. That's what it is. <laughs> turn, the, turn the ringer off. Okay, there you go. There is some risk. But I tell you what, we have got to worship Jesus. We've got to let him have that revelation is that Jesus is Lord without question. And I think this is really the, the biggest part. This is the biggest part. What God wanted to do with Gideon was not just make him a warrior, but he wanted to know him. He wanted to connect and to talk to Gideon. And, and, and he would be a representative of him, not just blindly saying, empower him, send him out, and he not ever know why. See, God has called us to the same thing. God has called us, obviously, to go and to share the good news, but it, all, it, but it come out of relationship, folks. It's got to come out of relationship. And so I ask you that question. If you're not walking in peace, if, if peace of, is, is elusive to you, you know, I'm not here, nor is anyone else going to sit there and, and point the finger at you. I mean, that would be stupid. But we can lovingly challenge you to say, if there's a lack of peace, I guarantee you it's because of a relationship breakdown. It's because you haven't heard his voice lately. It's because you haven't availed yourself of Jehovah Shalom to draw close to him, to have that encounter. And I'll tell you right now, if you are walking in some measure of, of discord in your soul, just stop, stop, and just say, Lord, you are peace. Jesus, you came and purchased my peace on the cross. Not only was Jehovah Shalom to, to Gideon, we've got even more than that, exponentially more peace because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. A very powerful re revelation. And you know what? If you need to erect a little pile of stones in your yard to remind yourself, go right on ahead. But you don't really have to. You can just open up your Bible and read the words of Christ and pray and just say, Lord, come. Would you be my peace today? I know you've called me to a big task. Because when you connect with him, what you're going to find is that God, God's not static. He's always moving. The kingdom of God is going forth uh, forcefully. And the Bible says violent men take hold of it. What it really means there is just aggressive, purposed people get a hold of that. Again, he builds that altar. The second thing that we learn here is that we've got to tear down some idols. 
It says, that same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. The best I can understand with that, and when we talk about the second, what's the point of the second bull? The second bull was the strongest. The second bull was the one worth most, had the most value, okay? And that's what God wants. God wants the most value. God wants to take, you know, God says, sacrifice the thing. I mean, in other words, make it a real sacrifice, right? That's why God said, don't bring your diseased cattle and sheep and offer them on the altar, because that would be, and some people were guilty of that. And he says, no, 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 take your finest. Take your finest and offer that to me, because that really costs you. You understand what sacrifice is. And, you know, that's been on my heart lately, and I I actually want to develop that. What is sacrifice? So tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Now that is taking it up a notch. This is something that the whole city came out to worship. I mean, this is, and obviously Joash is, is a prominent person because he's the one that apparently built and is, a, is, is being the caretaker of the altar to Baal and Ashtaroth. So, I mean, this is ground zero here. Ground zero for demonic activity. Gideon's family, his dad. And everybody's coming there to worship and sacrifice and, and do all the, the weird things that they would do in order to try to appease the gods of darkness, Satan himself. And so, got to tear these things down. Got to tear them down. And then he says, don't just stop there, but build a proper kind of altar to the Lord, your God, on the top of this height, using the wood of the Asherah pole. And that's good. He says, look, use that and burn it up. Because you know what? Don't just knock it down. Because what will happen when we just knock down or just just face the different things in our life with just this, well, I'm just going to kick it down today. What are we going to do the next day? He's going to put it back up. He's going to put it right back up. So God says, no, burn it. Burn it. That means to annihilate. I mean, get, get this thing out of your life. Get it out because it is holding you back. And God knows that. God says, look, you cannot go out to fight if you have these idols back at home. You can't serve one God and continue to appease another. Our nation is learning this on a greater scale. The Bible tells us that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now, folks, do we believe that or don't we? Do we? And, and if this nation, as I mentioned earlier, going to get all patriotic on you, but if this nation was achieved in all of its imperfections, oh, yeah, 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 it's got a lot of darkness in its past. Yes, oh, yes, it's got some real problems in, in, in having to deal with the, the unreconciled sins of its past. But what would you rather have? I mean, you want Sudan? You want to go to Sudan? Oh, because you're going to die. They're going to kill you if you're a Christian. You will die. They'll cut your hands off to warn you that if you don't stop, they're going to kill you. You want to go to North Korea? I mean, I hear that you know, the weather there is pretty nice. I think housing values are pretty cheap there, Dr. Krishlow. Get you a nice little place on the beach. But if you worship Jesus, 
you'll be imprisoned for the rest of your life. They won't feed you well. You'll probably die of starvation. You'll be mocked every day. Your ears, because you don't get enough nutrition, will shrink down to just little buds. Is that where we want to go? You know, one in eight people, one in eight people, say that the United States is not a blessed nation. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Only one in eight people say that this nation is a blessed nation. That's what I meant to say. Only one in eight. How have we come so far? What do they want? What are we looking for? What have we not achieved that cannot be achieved again through the fear of the Lord? Rather than to try to become something that is this quasi... See, that's exactly what happened to the people of God. They said, you know what? Following Jehovah is a little boring. But that, man, that Asherah pole is pretty cool. It's all colorful. We can stick it up in the city. And then we can go worship at it. Now there's, now, now that's partying. partying. That's, that's what we can really do that, that really makes sure that our community is blessed. So what is that Asherah pole in the United States? Oh my gosh. Just turn on your television. Just go to Las Vegas. I mean, if Las Vegas were ground central, central for immorality, oh my gosh, I think if we could really see in the spirit, it'd be this huge Asherah pole that just goes up into the clouds. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Folks, if we're going to do what God has called us to do, we've got to tear down those things. I'm not saying we need to blow anything up. I don't think, you know, no. But I think it starts with our hearts, does it not? Because you, you, know, you know what? You can have a physical thing, but if you don't worship it, if you don't ascribe to it any power, if you don't value it, or you, you know, because that's the way it works. Physical idols and, 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 and things that are, uh, uh, oh shoot, I'm just thinking all the words like um, amulets and things like that, they have no power unless it is ascribed to them by the believer. The altar of Baal and the Asherah pole were nothing. They were just wood. But because the people worshipped there, because they did unspeakable, unspeakable acts in front of those things, they had power. And it has to begin with the house of God. It has to begin with us, where we just say, we're no longer going to ascribe any power to these things, to these events, to these activities, to this thinking. Because Jesus is Lord. And because for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're not going to acknowledge those things. We're not going to speak of those things. We're going to worship Jesus in him only. It doesn't take a lot of creativity. I mean, I could go off, and one of the things, you know, I read an article about the millennials. They're like, look, man, leave our culture alone. And, and I understand that. I don't like to get up here and get all fundamental and, and pick on television and and Facebook, and all these things. You know, I, I know I'm getting old, and I don't understand everything. My kids remind me of that constantly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wish we could go back to when I could run around all summer long with no shoes, leave the front door open, and my mom and dad have no clue where I am for three months. I wish I could go back to those days. But now I have to lock my door. We have to go, well, I won't say that. 
was going to mention weapons, but shouldn't do that. I mean, now the things that we have to do, it's scary. Wish we could go back to simpler times, but I wonder, maybe it's time for us to rise up and deal with those, those Asherah poles and those things that have been set up in our communities, the things that we worship, the things that we ascribe power to that are more important than God himself. Well, Gideon obeys. Again, he does it at night for fear. What we find is that fear is rising. It's still in Gideon's heart. It didn't help for him to hide, right, because they found out who it was. Who knows how they found out, but they did. To prepare for our purpose, we've got to deal with the idolatry in our life. It says your, he says it was your father's idols and your own. See, that's what he had to do. He had to go, and we, we talk about this in Freedom Weekend, you know, when we talk about getting ourselves free of idolatry in our lives. Folks, you know, a lot of times we experience stuff in our lives because of what our fathers, our forefathers, our grandfathers, and things that they got themselves into, grandmothers as well. Um, and then it says that the, that the sins of the fathers will be passed on to the third and fourth generation. And so we are affected. We are the product of generations of sin. So was Gideon. And God says, look, if you're going to fight, if you're going to come into your purpose, Gideon, if you're going to experience blessing in the workplace, if you're going to have a family with kids who rise up and call you blessed, if you're going to have things in your life that you can, you can know the presence of God is active, involved, you've got to deal with your past, and not just yours. And God is saying, look, you've got to deal with those idols there. So he has to cross over, man. He has to do something that took an incredible amount of courage of course, he's still afraid of it. There may be some things in, in your life, you know, and there are people with testimonies here that were things that, that, they were, that were done in their family for generations, were allowed for generations, and they, as a Christian, had to rise up and say, no more. This is dark. This is wrong. You know, I don't want to see child abuse in my family anymore. You know, Counseling over 30 years, it, 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 you know, it just blows my mind what I've seen as the fallout of even Christian families, the things that have happened. But the Gideon inside us has to rise up and say, no more. Gideon, as a result of making those choices, experienced violent disapproval from the people. They wanted to kill him for his act of faith. Thank God for his father who stepped up. His father, obviously, who's been a part of the problem, sees something going on. Now, that doesn't always happen in our situation, where if we rise up, that we get him to defend. But that's the work of God right there. Because Gideon would have died without his dad rising up and saying what he said. But see, that goes back to what? Jehovah Shalom. So there is Gideon saying, God, what are you going to do? What? You want me to tear down these things? They're going to kill me for sure. You, you, you want me to speak about Jesus in the public school? They're going to kick me out. You want me to tell the rest of my family that from here on out we're going to do this and we're going to follow Jesus and we're not going to, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're not going to have sex before marriage. We now think that that's a sacred thing. Not going to drink alcohol, not going to do this, not going to do that. I mean, all the things and the different kind of choices that we might make to say, you've abused that, it's controlled and destroyed your life. From here on out, we're going to burn those things. 
and not going to be a part of our life because there is a, we are, we're discovering that God has made us for more. So Gideon is sitting there going, God, what am I going to do? God says, I am Jehovah Shalom. I got this covered. He didn't tell him how he had it covered. That's where the faith comes in. So when, you, when God tells you to do something, and you say, okay, I'm going to do this. But we always want to say, how are you going to do this, God? How are you going to make this happen? How's you going to, how are you going to come through for me? And so you know what happens? We rarely, burn the, we, we rarely burn the idols. We just let them exist. And we do this half-hearted thing. Hey, I'm, hey, I'm Gideon. Angel showed up. Yeah. Hey, did you hear a story about me getting and the angel showing up? Yeah, he told me he was all about peace. All we do is talk about it. Excuse me. The next thing that, thing, thing that happens is his dad rises up. That was the answer. Could Gideon had, have ever imagined that his father would stick up for him for burning down the idols that he was the caretaker of? Come on, man. Gideon must have thought as he was getting ready, you know, he's kind of like, okay, I'm getting ready to die. God, I did what you told me to do. And then his dad steps up and says, hey, 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 hey. Gideon, come on, man, what are you doing? Listen, don't kill him. You want to, you, look, he begins to realize God is working his heart that Baal, maybe after all is said and done, maybe he had been convicted all this time. Who knows? Maybe his dad had been forced to do what he was doing. We don't know. But God raises up and does a miraculous thing, which he will do for you and me. When we rise up and decide in our heart that we're going to follow the Jehovah Shalom, that we're going to listen to the voice of God and do what he's called us to do, to, to follow the way of peace, to tear down those idols, and to, in moving toward what God has called us to do, he is going to take care of the things that immediately rise up in our mind as to, but what if this happens? But what if they do this? What if they say that? There's too much of that going on in our culture today. What if? And so as a result, we do nothing. And the Midianites just keep eating our lunch. Those who do not fear God keep telling us what this culture ought to be. And we do nothing. We just sit and let it happen. But it's time for a generation of Gideons to rise up and not, not, not curse the culture. Don't, you know, you know, don't, don't go there. But in the middle of that culture, deal with the issues. To be willing to stand up for what is right and righteous. And that takes an incredible amount of wisdom. Incredible amount of wisdom. But if you stay here at Valley, we'll do our very, very best to comb through it. Because the easy thing to do would be to just stand up and just curse it all. The easy thing would just get up here and say, man, this, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. What you need to do is buy you a farm or go to the mountains and get away from it all. Because Jesus is coming. Look up. Here he comes. That's not what Jesus told you and I to do. He said, you're in the world, but not of it. Woo. There's the challenge. To live in this world, but not eat its fruit. To love people while they're doing unspeakable things right next to you. And be able to look at them and say, look, I, you know, are you enjoying that? Yeah. Really? Well, I guess it's cost me a few things. It cost me my marriage, my kids, 
there's something better, man. Jesus can really bring you true peace. Can I introduce you to Jehovah Shalom? Can I introduce you to the one? And you know what? Do you realize the Midianites are eating your lunch? You got nothing left. You're eating the crumbs. Let me help you figure out how to get those out of your life. That's what he's called us to do. So he gets that nickname, let, let Baal deal with him. I love it. <laughs> you know, and I, and I wanted to say, that one thing that came up to my mind immediately on this is that, um, you know, with Islam, it's interesting. You saw in the video here that when the girl in Iran converted, their, I guess it was her mother, was it her mother that converted? And they killed her. And then, of course, she gave her life to Christ, and they said, well, I'm going to find... It's interesting to me, I wanted to say, well, look, if Allah is so offended, why don't you let him take care of those things? Why do you have to become the murderer? Why do you have to cut people's hands off and, 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 and rape them violently, all in the name of Allah? Why can't you just step back like these guys? At least these Baal worshipers had sense enough to listen to Joash, who said, look, 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 don't kill him. Let your God deal with him. Brilliant. And I think that should be a global statement, by the way. If Allah is so upset, why don't you just let him deal with it? If he really hates Christians, if the United States is really the great Satan, let's let, let them duke it out. Let's G, let Jesus and Allah figure this whole thing while the United States continues to be blessed and increase and the other nations, not so much. Hmm. Something to think about. Look, if you grew up here in this community, well, let me back up here. When you take st steps to rid your life of generational sins, the curses, the cultural norms, you will take the heat. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you will be persecuted. Let me go a little further. If you grew up here, here in Roanoke Rapids, Roanoke Valley, you must face your heritage that is steeped in lethargy, spiritual pride, prejudice. Ku Klux Klan walked down Main Street only in 1980, not that long ago. A religious spirit, a Laodicean spirit, self-deception to think that people are going to heaven when they're not. Jesus said, if you've got a lukewarm heart, he will spew you out of, your mouth, out of his mouth. Almost all communities have the same regional spirits with which they must contend. But we don't live there. We live here. If you didn't grow up here, you must understand what you're facing and not fall into the same curses because you can so easily do so. That's what we have to deal with. That's the reality. That's pulling back the cover, folks, and looking at what's under the ugly level. I mean, that's what's there, okay? We can continue to walk around and try to ignore it, but it is what it is, and it will never be defeated by lukewarm Christians. It'll never be defeated by religious people walking around just bumping into one another and doing this and doing that. It'll never be defeated until the church rises up and says, we're going to tear these idols down. 
We are no longer going to give in to prejudice. We are no longer going to continue to fuel the fire of, of hate because it gives us power. Come on now. Am I getting into your stuff a little? Just a little? The key is to remember, the key is to remember who you are and to what you have been called. The reason why I'm mentioning this, by the way, is that it, it just seems like in our culture right now, all that is being stirred up. It's all being stirred up. Who's stirring that up? Come on. That's exactly, who said that? Thank you, Wanda. She gets extra credit today. But, and if you thought it, you too. All right. Folks, this thing is being stirred up by who? By, the, by Satan himself. You divided people. Jesus told us that. He said, a house divided itself against itself cannot what? Cannot stand. So can we just kind of look at it and what's really going on here, Christians? Can we really just get a hold of this thing? We can't. The key is to remember who you are and to what you have been called. Gideon had to stand against the idolatry of his family and his community, our nation. We got to face it. We got to look it straight on, and it ain't pretty. All right, third point and finish. Surrender your fear and your pride. You know what? I'm not going to be able to get to all that. No way. Okay. That's right, I'll save it. It's called pastor's privilege, man. We'll just, we'll just save point three to next week. All right. Because I think we've, we've, we've kind of got in deep, didn't we? I think we kind of, I need to let you up for some air. <laughs> we need to let ourselves up for air. But you know what? That's the good news. That's the good news. Jesus is our peace. Are there solutions to all this? Yeah. There are solutions. God wants to heal our hearts so that we can really love one another. God wants to help us face the idols that are in our lives, that are in our families' lives, that might even be in our communities. God wants to help us, but it's not going to come from a bunch of people, a people of God who do not understand their purpose. Now look, can I just point something out here? This is, this, this is for free. If you find something resisting inside you right now, that's exactly where God wants to go. That's, ex- that's the Holy Spirit saying, I'm speaking to you. Ding, 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 ding. Johnny, tell him what she's won, what he's won. And you know what? You can feel incredibly helpless. You can feel incredibly helpless when you feel like, oh, man, not only do I have the idol, I mean, an Asherah pole in my house, I helped build the daggone thing. But guess what? There's victory. Gideon, all he had to do was what? Shoom. Shoom. Tear it down. Tear it down to just say, Lord, take this thing, and I burn it before you. I mean, there might be some literal things we have to do to get those things out of our life. Maybe we need to, maybe there are some uh, uh, relationships that need to, you know, to be changed. Maybe there are some things that we're looking at, reading, that we need to get out of our life. Maybe there are some things, there's some whole thought processes and lies that we believe. Your friends have tried to tell you. Your loved ones have tried to tell you. God's trying to tell you. That's wrong thinking. 
Those are lies. Just because your parents taught you that doesn't make it true. Just because that's what daddy and my granddaddy did doesn't make it true. And when we have to rise up and finally say enough is enough, there's a cost. There is a cost, and only you can know that. Only you can embrace that right now as we finish. You've got to let the Holy Spirit examine your life to get you there. Okay, what's the benefit? Because the look on your faces, some of you are just like, oh man, Pastor David, you just loaded me up. But can I just tell you the benefit? God wants to bless us. God wants to heal us. God wants to restore us, to have the kind of spiritual energy that we yearn to have, the kind of adventure that people go off and spend thousands of dollars to try to obtain, you know, the Holy, the Holy Spirit zip line. God wants to bring you there. He wants to take you into a realm of excitement and, and, and to be able to enjoy one another, to enjoy this life. To, to, to live on the edge in a way, man, imagine what Gideon must have felt. And we're going to study that later, but so can I give you a little head, heads up? Gideon, man, goes on to experience incredible victory. He's just a lonely single dude dug out in a hole. When it's all said and done, 70 children. Now, that's a whole lot of kids to take care of. But don't you know that God provided all that he needed I mean, 70 children. You know, 70 is one of those numbers in the Scripture that talks about perfection, about completion. Really, 70 means a nation. I love that. God made a nation out of Gideon. That's the impact he had by just saying yes, okay? Some choices. Can you leave today and continue to do what you're doing? Absolutely. Nobody's going to blame you. I'm not going to throw anything at you. Nobody's going to be mad. Nobody's going to do that here. But what I want to dangle in front of you is something better, a better life, true peace and joy, true riches, true experience of a fullness of God and a peace that passes understanding. You cannot figure it out. Where did this come from? I don't know. All I know is I just got rid of some things in my life. And then God came in like a flood. Instead of those Midianites coming in like a flood and eating your lunch, the Holy Spirit's going to come in and give you a brand new lunch. You can quote me on that. All right, let's stand up this morning. Amen. If I could have our prayer teams please come. and Just grateful for these, these folks that are, they want to stand with you. You know, if, if the Holy Spirit is pointing something out, what I, what I would do if I were you, man, I'd run right up here and I'd say, look, you can tell them what it is or you can just say, there is something God is dealing with in my life and I need somebody to stand with me. And as I look at these folks, man, <laughs> these are the very ones that I'd love having pray for me. Absolutely. Look at these folks. They love you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Lord, you're here. You're speaking to us. Lord, we're not into religion and tradition and doing this and that. We want truth. We want you to cut through the malaise, the lethargy, the spiritual pride. Lord, just doing enough 
to appease our own sense of consciousness. Lord, we want you in fullness. Jesus, we want to know you. We want to hear your voice. We want to embrace you. We want a fresh new confidence and joy and freedom deep, deep in our inner person. And we thank you that we can have it today. So Lord, right now, right now, Lord, where there are idols in our lives, things, lies that we believe, Lord, things that we've bitten into, God, things that we've had to endure, Lord, we know they're wrong in our family. We hear people in our family talking about things and inside we're going, it's not right. Lord, help us to deal with these things in our own hearts and to trust that, Lord, when we need to make those steps, you, Jehovah Shalom, our perfect peace, will be right there with us. You will give us the strength we need. You will provide when maybe we even cut off our heritage. Lord, you are going to provide, Lord, when we might even lose a job for the sake of what is right. You will provide. Lead us, God. But let us go in wisdom and understanding. Let us get counsel. Let us do what we need to do, Lord, so that we might have that path. In Jesus' name. Amen.